0: Verse. So you don't don't read ahead, because you're going to misunderstand this verse. This verse is the most important verse in this chapter. And so we're going to look at this verse in just this verse. And here's what James chapter 2 verse 1 says. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. I also have it in another translation on the screen for you. It says... My brothers and sisters, I know you've heard this before, but stop playing favorites. Do not try to blend the genuine faith of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, with your silly pretentiousness. Silly pretentiousness, that's a good one, isn't it? May God add His blessing to the reading of the Word. Amen. This uh, verse uh, has the word partiality. The word comes there from meaning looking at something with outward appearances only. Uh, The word is proclampsia. I'm not going to give you a test on that, so don't think you need to know that. But I will say this, it's only used twice in the Bible, and it's in chapter 2 of James where it's used. There's another form of that word used, one other place, and that's it. But it means... To look at something as an outward appearance and not look at the full picture. To be um, very limited in your understanding and yet still making a decision. I wouldn't know if any of us have ever done that now, have we? Jumped to conclusions, not given the benefit of the doubt, acted out of emotional frustration rather than uh, out of the truth of the situation because we didn't know the truth. Anybody ever done that? If you haven't raised your hand, you're probably just shy. Because we have all jumped to conclusions. And that's not exercise, folks. That is not the kind of exercise we do. That does not get you stronger, it gets you weaker in God, that's for sure. But I want to uh, give you an example of what this is talking about, okay? In the Old Testament, there was a, a need to replace King Saul. King Saul had sinned and violated a direct command of God and he even repented for it after he was told he did wrong. Not before. He justified his behavior ahead of time. So God said, I'm stripping the kingdom away from Saul. I'm giving it to another. And they called together a convocation, if you will, and had all the people in a certain area get together and all the tribes come through and they settled on Jesse. Jesse. You may remember the story. And they had Jesse's sons who at the convocation come and the entire congregation was standing. Now, I don't think you understand what it means by the entire congregation standing, but they start standing when they get there and they don't sit down till the business is done. So they start standing and they... Like I said, they pass all the tribe's families until they settle on Jesse's family. And here comes the first son. Tall, strong, handsome. Looks like a great candidate. And Samuel, who is the prophet to anoint the king, looks at him and says, that's not him. And Jesse says, well, surely my second son is the one. He is also... Strong, handsome, tall, good-looking—a good warrior. This would be a good qualification for a king. And he passes him by. Samuel. Samuel looks at him and says, "He's not the one." All of Jesse's sons pass by that were at the convocation, and he says, "It's not any of them." And he looks at Jesse and says, "Jesse, do you have another son somewhere else?" Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> And uh this Jesse not that Jesse but the Jesse at this time said "Well I have one but he's just a youth and he's watching sheep in the field so we can attend the convocation." And Samuel says, "Jesse go get him." And Jesse says, "But he's just a youth and he's tending our sheep and he said, "We're not sitting down till he gets here." <laughs> Oh, you think maybe someone carried Jesse on a horse or something. They want to sit down, right? Holy convocation happening. So they bring a young youth, ruddy, good looking, but very young, before Samuel. And Jesse goes, is it this one? And he says, you think God looks at the outward appearances, and you do when you looked at each of your sons, but God looks at the heart. And we learn a little later that David, who was standing before Samuel, had a heart for God. And so God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the looks or the physical abilities. He looks at the nature and character of the person who's there. In other words, God doesn't look at your externals, your possessions, your knowledge, what you have to offer Him in terms of uh, abilities or gifts. He's looking at your heart. Why? Because God shows no respect to persons. And that doesn't mean He doesn't respect you. It means He doesn't need what you think you can give Him. In this world, possessions and status mean a lot. The old golden rule they rewrote back in the day said... He who has the gold makes the rules. Money is power. Things like that. But I promise you, God doesn't want any of that. What can He buy with it that He doesn't already have? He owns this whole place already. What are we going to do? Here here you go, God. A billion dollars worth of gold is going to go, okay, what do I do with that? I'm just going to put it back on the earth and let you all use it for your good purposes. Right? So God can't be bought. With gold. And we might say, Well, God, I've I've conquered kingdoms. I've done work. And so so, God, I'm gonna do all this for you. And God's going, I don't need your help. You're not helping me by doing that. You're doing the work I asked you to do to make the world a better place. You're helping the people. You can't help me be stronger. Why are you offering me that? God, I have lots of friends. I'm popular. I'm famous. I can bring all my followers, all Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat to you, got So maybe all these people will follow you. And He's going, I'd rather they follow me rather than you following me. I don't need what you have to offer me in terms of your followers. I want my own. So God doesn't respect your possessions or your status. He looks at your heart. He looks at what you do. What you do with your time and your thoughts. He knows your thoughts. The Holy Spirit, it says, searches the deep parts of us and then shares those with God and prays for us in ways we don't know how. Even Romans says, we don't know how to pray for as we ought to or what we ought to pray for. So the Spirit has to pray with words we don't understand. With groans and, and other um, ways of communicating that we don't know how to do. Now, let me ask you this: If God doesn't respect all that and isn't in that one-up or I'm stronger than you type, playing I'm better than you or or you're better than me or you're worse than me type of mentality, what kind of mentality does He have? He's not trying to show you who's stronger. <laughs> he doesn't have to prove his strength to you. I promise. God has no need to show you that you're weaker than Him. And you have no need for God to show you that He's stronger than you. God is like that. So, if God isn't looking at it like that, then how is He looking at you? I'll tell you how. He's looking at you just like He looks at the next person, the next person, the next person. He doesn't see distinction in anything but your heart. Whether you love Him or whether you don't. Whether you serve Him and love others or whether you don't. And God isn't trying to tell you you're better or worse for doing that. He's just trying to see who will follow Him. Scripture even says, the eye of God searches the whole world trying to find someone who will follow Him and love others. Trying to search the whole world for someone to be faithful and just and righteous simply because God is even says, God provides rain on the just and the unjust. He's not showing partiality. If God was showing partiality, He wouldn't let the unjust eat. He'd let them die off. But He lets the same sun shine on us as He does everyone else. He provides rain the same way to one as He does another. He doesn't go, Oh, no, not them. Circle there. Don't go there, rain. Circle there. Gray cloud over their life. God doesn't do that. He doesn't need to do that. Because God has provided His goodness to everybody equally. And we don't understand that because we think this world is halves and halves not. That there's a piece of pie and whenever someone gets a bigger chunk, then I must get a smaller chunk because someone else got a bigger chunk. Let me tell you where that came from. It came from this world and maybe where you were growing up and when you had a pie there and you wanted more and someone else had already eaten the rest. God never gave you a piece of pie that you couldn't eat or that you couldn't have more. God has more than enough to offer and it doesn't take from someone else if you get blessed by it. Do you remember that old story? I I don't know if if I've ever shared this story before about this man who was given a tour of heaven. And in that tour, he was shown all the wonderful places, and then the angel that was giving him the tour said, I want to take you to one of the saddest places in heaven. It's over in the corner because we don't want a whole lot of people to tour this, but but we need them to know about this place. It's sad because of what's in it. And he walked in, and there's this room full of all these boxes, neatly ordered, like shoe boxes on the shelf. And each of them had names on them of every person that ever lived. And, and he asked the angel, what is this place? He said, that's where God put all the unclaimed blessings in those boxes. Unclaimed blessings? Yes, he said, most people think if they get blessed by God, someone else won't be. So everybody has unclaimed blessings because God has enough and they think He doesn't. And so they don't let God bless them with the blessing that He has because they're afraid someone else will miss out. And then there's some people who think God really doesn't want to bless them. Or that the blessing that He's given them isn't really a blessing, so they reject it and they refuse it. In our lives, when those kind of things come along, we say, God, why'd you do that? I don't want that. And it might be the blessing he's trying to give you that brings you to a greater blessing later. And so he said, well, show me my box. And the angel said, you don't want to see that box. And he said, why? He said, because your box has them in it too. And so does yours. That God wants to bless you with abundance and a harvest and to rain when you need rain, and to shine when you need shine, because he promised as long as this world ends, seed time and harvest, the seasons, and the sun and the rain will not fail. God's promise to Noah in Genesis. And every time you see a rainbow, you go, Wow, that's beautiful. But God looks and says, I remember. I remember my promise. And when that bow was placed in the sky for Noah, that was the first time that a rainbow ever existed. Because it was the first time it had ever rained. If you read scripture, you'll know that the ground was watered bottom up at that time from springs. But at that time, rain began. And the bow was God's promise to himself that he would remember and we get the same promise that there are blessings that God will be faithful in season and out of season. This world will continue as it's supposed to. And we forget that. and we don't claim those blessings, and we don't allow others to claim them either. But God isn't envious of what you have or don't have. He really isn't or who you are. He's not envious of who you are either. But here's the sad thing, and this is why this verse is so important. It says, Don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord our God. And what that's saying is, when you belong to Jesus Christ, belong to Him. Follow His ways. Jesus did not show partiality. Some people try to pull out verses and go, Jesus didn't like these people. It's not true. Jesus wanted to check to see if the people who were asking Him for something were people of faith. Believed that He was who He said He was. But He didn't show partiality. He blessed all who trusted in Him. All. Now here's the thing. And it says, don't hold the faith with partiality. Again, that means by looking at the outward appearance of things. Don't make distinctions between people by what you see, what you hear, or what you think of them but rather do what is said throughout Scriptures, love them where they are. Nowhere does it say in Scripture, don't help that person because you don't want to. Don't love that one because you need to love that one. Yet I find throughout all of any denomination examples of people who are partial. Casting Crowns wrote a song about what are you praying for? About a young person who came in broken, wanted to come down to the altar, but felt rejected by the church and left without hope. you Remember that song? Do you, do you know that there have been people who have brutalized a person who gave their life to Christ? I, I, don't, know, I don't know much of the story. I just heard that uh, a famous person giving their life to Christ was now talking about Jesus and they're crucifying this guy. and its believers rather than rejoice and say thank God one brought home he can reach a bunch of people nobody else could They're, they're, they're slaughtering this person and I have no idea why but all I know is that means there's partiality in the house of God that means we show favoritism one way or another this should not be named among us And there isn't one better or worse. Whether we belong to Jesus or not, God doesn't see it that way. He sees all in need of grace. All in need of rain. All in need of sun. And we have lumped people in categories and we've broken the church into denominations because we couldn't see things eye to eye. I believe God's looking at it going, what's wrong with my people? Why can't they love each other? And just agree to agree with each other and love one another and forget the denominational doctrine and just love. That's what God wants us to do. Love one another. That's how the blessing is poured out. It just saddens me in my heart to know that our world has so polluted our faith. Nowhere... Did Jesus ever say, judge one another? He said, don't. Paul says in Galatians, there's no distinction between people. Not between slave or free, male or female, Jew or Gentile. You talk about anti-Semitism in this world, you know they're not from the heart of God. God loves all people. And He's trying to bring them all into a saving relationship with His Son to get them back into a relationship with Him so He can bless them. To give them a harvest. And what are we doing? We're driving people away from the possibility of a blessing of God because we say, You are not worth my time. And that's sad. But it's not only sad, I believe it grieves the Holy Spirit. I think it quenches the Holy Spirit in ways we can't understand. If you were here for the revival, I really love this, and, and I was hoping John would do this, but but I want you to know what he did. He's talking about the creation Genesis 1. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, if you imagine the earth and the Spirit of God just watching it, Right? seeing what God's going to do, right? Hovering around the earth, looking, watching, and seeing what God's going to do. And then God spoke and it became so. What if? What if that world said, I don't want to hear it. Your word isn't 100% true. It might not happen here because I've seen it not happen elsewhere. And then all of a sudden, that spirit which is hovering over the face of the waters is going... God, Father, I'm trying to do Your work here and hover and let You know what's going on here, but we got a problem. Your creation doesn't even know it's Your creation. In other words, Your people don't know they belong to You, and You set the standard. I promise You, we have favoritism. You might say, "Oh, no, no, I I, I love everybody." not the guy who cut you off in traffic. I'll bet you didn't show him favoritism. well you might have shown him favoritism, but it wasn't the right time. A couple of favorite words you might have shared or phrases. One of the bus drivers who's uh, driving my bus while I monitor my own bus until I recover uh, talks to almost every car he sees doing stuff wrong. It's kind of funny. Because I think he's talking to me, you know. Oh, you ought to not be doing that. And I'm going, I'm just uh, doing my job. And he's going, oh, I was talking to that car. And I said, did you ever think they might not hear you? <laughs> what about the one that's doing it right? Talk to that one the same way. Here's what's funny. <laughs> and I think you can appreciate this. Have you ever been pulled over by a police officer and said, hey, here's a ticket for a... A free Big Mac or sandwich or McDonald's for doing good? Or do you think they're only looking for people doing stuff wrong? How often do you get pulled over for doing something right? Not very often. Not very often. I've heard of one story where a guy pulled someone over and he, and he goes, What am I doing wrong? He said, Nothing. I got tickets to a concert and it's starting soon. I thought maybe you'd want them. I can't go. I'm working. Pulled the guy over to give it to him. Saw two people in the car had two tickets. He thought maybe they were going home. Gave him two tickets to a concert. That is a very strange thing. And and they look like, wow, we didn't know police would actually pull us over for something nice. But you understand, our, our whole world is based on crime and punishment. Right and wrong. This is good, this is bad. And who set that up? Nothing but our society. God didn't put it in that way God said love one another that's it okay God but if I love them you know it makes it kind of hard because this is going on he didn't say try to figure it out he just said do it who should I love remember that question the lawyer asking Jesus who's my neighbor if I'm supposed to love my neighbor He didn't. he tried to justify not loving certain people Show partiality, Jesus ruled that, ruled that out with the story of the Good Samaritan, didn't He? Love everybody. Why is this message still not resting well with us? Why do we still struggle with loving people that we don't understand? Why do we? I think it's because we're trying to change them. Trying to fix them. Or get away from them, one of the three. But God didn't ask us to do that. He didn't ask Him to change them. He didn't ask us to fix them. He didn't ask us to get away from them. He simply said, love one another. Why do we complicate this? Why do we put partiality into it? I don't understand that. But I promise you, we all do. You do it. I've done it. And God looks at us and says... Why are you complicating the faith of Jesus Christ and adding something to it I didn't put it there? Believe in Jesus, believe in me, and love one another. That's that's it. Everything else detailed, but that stuff you get wrong, nothing else is going to work. If you can find a reason to not love somebody, you can find a reason not to believe in Jesus. Because your love for God is what creates your love for others if you don't love others without partiality, you're probably going to tell God the same thing. God, you didn't bless me. What's wrong with you? I don't know if I like you anymore. Don't know if I trust you. And God has done nothing but love you. That's it. I don't know how to say that any other way. There's stuff in you that disagrees with that statement. God has done nothing but love you. You say, but, but He took this from me and He let this go away. God has done nothing but love you. But you don't understand what I've been through. God has done nothing but love you. He has been totally impartial to you. That means He's loved you completely like He loves everyone else. He gave His Son for you like He did for everybody else. You were not excluded from the grace of God. This is the promise of God. I don't know about you, but to me, that makes me want to lift up my offering to God and say thank you. I'm not asking for favor from God by giving it to Him because I've already got it. I'm not asking Him for blessing because I've already got it. I'm not asking Him for rain. I'm just asking Him to receive my thanks for what He's already done. How do you show God you love Him and thank Him? By passing the gift of love to as many people as you can as God is able to give you resources to do it. If you don't have one kind of resource, He's got you another that you can use. If you got empty pockets, you might be able to write. I can't write right now. I look like I'm a powdler trying to write. That's not my gift right now. But your gift that God has given you is able to be given at a moment's notice at all times in all places if you don't know that about your gift you haven't understood what God's given you to give away some are really good at time some are good at praying some are just good at being there in home visits we got some folks here that do in home visits every week and and hospital visits every week Uh, God bless you Hubert for all the work you do Joe and uh So many others that make those visits and they're unheralded. That's giving. And there's some people who have financial who love to give for a reason, financially. If that's you, praise God, we need that kind too. Some people are prayer warriors. Some people bake desserts. Mm -hmm. Some people offer a hug. Some people offer their smile. Everybody has something God uses to bless others with. And you have an abundance of it to give away. God just wants to see if you will. He's not asking you to give you something you don't have. He's asking you to give what you have for His kingdom, to love others with what you have. And He's trying to find out if He can give you some other stuff to see if you'll be faithful with that. So start with whatever He's given you and watch what He pours on top of that and see what you do with that. And God just watches. He hovers (laughs) over you seeing what you will do with that and if He can give you more. Faithful in a little, faithful in a lot. God is faithful in all. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your healing, Your restoration, and uh, Your promise. And this morning, Heavenly Father, I, I don't know who needed to hear this word today, but I do know this. Are you drawing people from all over the world to listen to this as recently as now Australia and Mokalee, Florida, wherever that is, Heavenly Father. People in California, Mississippi, Alabama, all across the country, Heavenly Father. I don't even know who they are, but you do. And so I'm asking today in this room, if there's someone that needed to know that they are loved and that God doesn't hate them and you are truly loving and trying to bless their lives, Heavenly Father, will you speak that to them now and let them know this was for them? Because I know it was for me. So let me not show partiality when I love. Let me not show partiality when I pray. But when I speak, or when I share Your Word and Your love with others. Heavenly Father, may we as a church and as individuals be known as the church and individuals who found out that Jesus Christ makes a difference and faith in Him transforms what we say and do every moment of our lives. Heavenly Father, I ask You for that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay.